So hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Salop Cast of this season, myself Glenn Price and I'm joined uh, as usual by Ollie, how are you Ollie? Yeah, good thanks mate, much better than you I think oh, yeah. and, um, <laughs> and we're joined by a guest this week, so welcome Chris to the podcast Yeah, hi there everyone, Yeah, Pleasure we should to be here We should refer to Chris as his um, uh, official title of uh, fan zone host uh, So uh, yeah, we've, we've got Chris on this week to talk about the football, it's good, it's good for you to join us and have a chat about what was not a great result yesterday was it? But, what? Um, not brilliant Not brilliant, no, um, but also because the fan zone had a soft launch yesterday and um, Chris as you say, you've, you've kind of had the role of the host and you've been DJing there for since it pretty much started over the other site and then obviously we moved to Smithies so I thought it was a good chance for us to catch up really about the soft launch and uh, for your yeah. opinion really of how, how you think it went on Saturday Yeah great I mean it's been building up sort of pretty nicely over the past sort of couple of years um, you know we started off with just you know a band playing on a bit of tarmac with a, a temporary bar there and it's just sort of got better and better really yeah. people know it's there you know we get sort of got the container there we get the bar we get the marquee and I think because it's been going so well I think the idea was let's put it in a more permanent position mm. right? so obviously yesterday was the first one since they'd moved us um, up by the football hub yep. next, next door to Smithies and um, yeah it's great I mean Good. it's still a bit of improvement but it, it's going to get better I think yeah I think we were talking just before we start recording about it being sort of again baby steps in this new location now and working on bits and pieces to take it forward but it's, I, I think it's better where it is to be honest with you. a lot of people are sort of saying why is it by the away end but we can sort yeah. that out and really we don't really have trouble at matches unless we're playing Warsaw so it should be should be fine I think yeah not really we've had away fans in the fan zone all the time yeah, anyway they're, yeah. they're always welcome to come you know there's never been any hassle there to us with, you know, since we started yeah um, yeah, we are going to move up towards the away end now, but I think the plan is hopefully for the Sunderland game. You know that green gate is going to be moved ninety yes. degrees, which I think will make a massive difference. I mean, it's been a bugbear of mine ever since the new stadium was there. That you know you come out the ground, you know you just want to go for a drink in what used to be the, the yeah. power league, yeah. and you've got the green gate there, yeah. and there used to be loads of people getting irate, standing in the rain, <laughs> waiting for the for the gate to open, and it, it's, it was just a massive pain. And that was before, so obviously now the fan zones up there yeah. as well. So I think you know, they'll move it 90 degrees, and I, I think you'll get a lot of people going into the hub now. So you'll, you'll pile out the West Stand, you'll be able to go straight in there, and you know, and I think that'll make a big difference, especially the post-match as well. Yeah. I, I think the whole thing's fantastic. I mean, say, Ollie's not been to the fan zone quite as much as me, I suppose, because of the fact you're sort of driving into town, aren't you, Ollie? But obviously I, I go there and meet yeah. the lads, and it's, it's just nice to have somewhere on site now, and especially you know, when fans like to have a drink and sort of stand outside, as long as it's not too terrible, and there's a bit of music. Yeah. I think we've talked about the fan zone before and being very positive, but I think it's going to be good to see how we evolve it in that new situation that we've got now, and, and I agree with you. I think it should make Smithies a bit more attractive to people post-match as well, because we just normally walk to the Bellevue Town if we want to yeah. post-match, it's, such a long walk down there, it can get a bit depressing. So yeah, yeah good, good to have you on board. Anyway, it's good to good to know everything started well on Saturday. And uh, say we'll kind of keep reporting on it as we go through the season. But I think Ollie, it does lead us into this game quite nicely because if there was one thing Shrewsbury Town fans needed after the game on Saturday, it was a very swift pint, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's, um, and um, yeah, from a, it's an interesting game I think to lead into then our ten game review. Yes, um, and yeah, this, which, so what we've done um, this week, so we'll cover the Fleetwood game, then we'll go do the 10-game review, and we've tried as much as possible to get questions from the fans, so we've got hopefully we'll be able to mention lots of names, um, other questions that we've been shared in, and yep. we can have a review of some of the stats and, and where we are, and it's great to have a guest on, so yeah, thanks Chris for joining. It's, I think on a 10-game review, it's great to get someone else's opinion as well, yeah. so yeah. thanks for joining That's us. That's what the podcast is all about, we do try to get as many people on as possible, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Chris thinks we are 10 games in compared to sort of where we think, I think the podcast has been leading to where our view might have been, although Saturday was was a bit of an eye-opener, so yeah, let's let's wrap up the intro there, Ollie, and we shall, uh, yeah, we shall get involved in Shoesbytown Nil Fleetwood 3. So, um, not the best um, result. Um, Shooter Town nil and um, Fleetwood Town three. Um, an own goal um, in the first half. Two goals from Fleetwood in the second half. Mm. Attendance just below a th- of six thousand. Yeah. Um, obviously contributing to by a obviously a small following for Fleetwood, but not great. <laughs> we're not in the six thousands. Um, interestingly, it was the second win on the road for Fleetwood, um, which takes them to third in the league, and they're having a good start to the season. Um, and before this game, we were actually unbeaten at home. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that record's now gone. Um, and going into the game, we were, you know, we'd only won one in five. Um, so, yeah, form is very, very much inconsistent. Um, Fleetwood kept um, an unchanged side, but there was um, a change for, Sh- for Shrewsbury going. Yeah, I mean, it's worth running through the team, isn't it? I think one of the things I saw, and I'll, I'll run through the players and think what I said about it first, I suppose. But, yeah, Leary was still in goal. Um, back three of Williams, Ebanks, Landell and Beckles. 
Love and Giles as the wing-backs again, then Goss, Laurent, Norburn, and then Lang and Cummings up front. Um, and I saw a lot of stuff of people saying, as they saw the team news announced, Chris, that that's our strongest team. We'll be fine. Do you think that's our strongest team? No. No. Pierre, for me, okay. every time. I, yeah. think, I think we miss him at the back, and I have him in place of Beckles mm. every time. Beckles worries the hell out of me <laughs> every time he gets on the ball, to be honest. Reminds me of Grandison. Oh, hey, yeah. let's, oh don't start. You'll be out of my house in <laughs> instant, I'll tell you. Um, well, I think it's a fair comment to make on the, on the performance level on Saturday with Beckles, which was a concern, yeah. to be honest with you. But um, I suppose we go from there. But I don't know, what do you, I'll ask you the same question. Do you think that's our strongest team, or, you, or would you pick Pierre? I'd pick um, Pierre um, and potentially maybe um, Thompson, okay. who's fully fit, rather than Lauren. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, and he's another one whose performance worried me a little bit on Saturday at times as well. But um, yeah, it's, but it's not far off, is it? You know, you'd expected that to be competitive, and, and especially at home. Yeah. And that, that's what worries me a little. I think that's, we'll come to reviewing the game a little yeah. bit, but I think that's why maybe some of the reactions been like that, Ollie, is that people saw that as our strongest yeah. team. Yeah, it was this. I, I described um, this game as a big test. Um, it was a test in terms of you know where we are at the moment, and also kind of where our aspirations are against you know a good but not though Fleetwood are not at Switch Town. Mm. You know they're not miles ahead in terms of uh, you know their status, and you know they're not they haven't been in the championship. Um, so for me, this was a really really good test, um, and unfortunately, we failed quite miserably. Yeah, yeah. So on paper, that's a good team. Yes, yeah. there's quality all over the pitch in there. Um, you know, to me, arguably, you know, this is one of the strongest squads that I think we've had for years. Mm. But it's not, it's not quite getting the results consistently. But we'll come to that in the ten game review a bit later on, won't we? I suppose consistency is a big word that we're thinking yeah. about at the moment. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Where, where do you want to start this game? Because I think, let's be honest about it, the best bit of it was the opening period for Shrewsbury, and it was pretty much downhill after that, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was a good start from Shrewsbury. Mm. Um, some good passing. Um, you know, we like to pass the ball around the back and then switch play, um, which worked quite well. And we got in behind them a couple of times. Um, a few poor balls, particularly from Giles, kind of like, um, yeah, kind of almost wasted the opportunity. Um, I think probably one of the highlights of the game, probably from Shrewsbury's perspective, was that cheeky effort from Goss, yeah. Yeah. where Cummings won the ball um, and then he had that shot. And then from the corner and we had to head it over. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Chris, what did you make of that opportunity yeah. from Goss? Oh, it was... Uh, the goss, the goss kick. Yeah, I mean yeah. it was a great save by the keeper. I just yeah. saw it again on the TV last night, and I was behind the goal at the other end, so I don't think I appreciated it at the time. Mm. But um, but yeah, great. And if that had gone in, what a different game it could have been. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think if we if we'd have scored in that opening period, it, it certainly would have been a completely different game, and and the mental fragility that we showed later on probably wouldn't have come into it yeah. to play I think but it was, it was a good effort and Cummins had a little long range effort as well at one point didn't he? it wasn't quite as good and um, yeah. you know it seemed quite, they were confident to try and lob that goalkeeper but it didn't quite happen and, and uh, as I said Chris is right it was it was a really good save but it was but that was one of a, a couple of sort of chances we made in that opening period that we just couldn't take wasn't it I think yeah there was the Giles when that cross came in yep. and it fell to Giles and you'd think yeah he's just got to like tap it and get it on target basically yes. around the keeper and I think he kind of swung at it and it kind of flew over the bar. Hit the roof. Yeah. <laughs> Again. It went miles over, didn't yeah. it? I don't understand. Um, you're right, Chris, totally agree. You know, it was a great opportunity inside the box. And I don't know why he didn't just side foot it yeah. um, into like, you know, to one of the corners. Um, and yeah, that was a, probably one of our, that's probably our best chance of the game that we had. It was, and Lang did so good in the build-up to that. He, he yeah. showed what he did away at um, Rotherham last week with his quick feet and his pressing and his sort of willingness to run at players and I think that that opening period sort of suggested where this this tactic can work and we have seen it work yeah. at points this season where if we do impose ourselves and you get those wing backs further up and you 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 push a team back then then it does work Ollie, and it can create chances and we you know, we should be taking them as scoring goals but it's the way that we just fell away from that as the game went on that, that concerned me how we we became too passive and and we'll probably talk about it after the goal particularly but yeah it does show you know and we'll t- talk about it again later on is that this tactic can work and it and it possibly will get goals like it did against south end but it does seem very hit and miss at the moment yeah it's very hit and miss mm. and i think it for me for me this game was all about player performance yeah yeah um and yeah so essentially um Williams, um, yeah, loses his man on a on a corner, and yeah, big central defender hits the crossbar, and unfortunately, Lang is come coming flying in and hits him on the chest, I think, and goes oh, yeah. back of the net. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's fair to say, from a Salah perspective, the game's over. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Ebans, um, Landor got injured, and those two events for me, um, we had a monumental collapse um, in faith um, and composure application and drive you know key basics for any professional footballer disappeared when that ball hit that back in the net and it was I was gobsmacked of how poor we went and the performance <laughs> fell off a cliff 
Yeah, I totally agree, Ollie. We, we, we're a young team, and I think confidence is massive for us at the moment. And you can see they just look deflated. Mm. You know, suddenly the passing wasn't as snappy as it needs to be. You know, that opening period, yeah, we were pinging it around between each other. As soon as that goal, we were just hoofing it, kind of losing our, our composure, as you say. And, um, yeah, I, it, it, the writing was on the wall from that. We, we saw it in a microcosm against Southend in reality, if you think back to that game. All right, we won, and you come out with a different mindset. But there was definitely some things you could question there about our mindset, about when we were conceding those goals to Southend. And, you know, it was such a ding-dong game. I think it kind of masked. There was periods where we did get a bit ropey, and they had us on the ropes, and, and this was a team that were pretty poor. They weren't as good as Fleetwood, so we were able to sort of get those extra goals and yeah. see them off. But, you know, it, it's interesting timing, Ollie, because obviously you did that interview with John Pitts, didn't you, last yeah. week, which was... I think has been really well received by the fan base. It's been a fascinating insight to what they're trying to um, bring. Um, but everything he sort of talked about in terms of that that mindset, that culture, it, it's, it shows that it's bloody hard to do what they want to achieve when something like that happens on the pitch, which kind of doesn't undermine the work they're doing, but shows that it's it's very hard to get players to kind of show that strongness and that... Um, that ability to be switched on the whole time when, as Chris said, they're young players or they're players that have got issues with confidence. It, it's, must, it's a really tricky balance for, the, for people like John and, and, and Sam to kind of get, I think. And it's all Saturday brought that out to me a little bit. Yeah, and I think it's worth saying that, you know, almost this was similar to last season. It was like 10, nine games in, isn't it, where we kind of collapsed again. And it just shows you, keep, mm. for me, keep having turnover of players, turnover of staff. And, you know, it takes time to kind of build that confidence. Um, you turn it around from a Fleetwood perspective, if you've got a manager like Joey Barton who's making tactical changes and you know he's picking a team that is winning, then you kind of you kind of believe in the process and you believe in the tactics and you you kind of believe in in your kind of your colleagues and it's it's a really frustrating cycle that yeah confidence be builds results but you kind of need to get confidence to get results and yeah it's it's very frustrating so yeah question for you Glenn so at half time kind of what was your thoughts and did you hope that and expect we would improve second half. You had the confidence at half-time having seen the start that there was goals in it for us and we could get something out of the game. But at the back of your mind, you know, you'd seen how the rest of that second half went and how abject we'd become at times, particularly with some of the basics, you know, passing and goal kicks from Max O'Leary going straight out of play, a bit of pointing at each other, some shrugging of shoulders, that there was some alarm there that it could get worse. But, you know, 1-0 at half-time, you're never that worried about, you know, losing a game 3-0. You'd always back your team to get back in it. But um, I, I don't know, I, you know, I had a few thoughts. I, one thing I was going to ask Chris, I suppose, we had a discussion on the podcast, me and Ollie, last week about set pieces, so it's probably not yeah. worth us repeating that. Um, but I think I kind of changed my mind on it this week because Goss obviously took all the set pieces on Saturday and he took some really good set pieces yeah. and put them in good places. And that was a frustration for me is that we're not actually, we're not quite on his wavelength yet because I think he, he will set goals up if he keeps taking them, but it's just not happened again. Yeah, he's got a lovely touch of the ball. I mean, the way he flights some of those those corners, mm. you know, they, they're sort of, they're low, they're fast, they're direct, but it's almost like they're not expecting that to come in. Yeah. You know, there should be somebody dropping in round the back post, you know, mm. uh, just like Luke Waterfall used to do. <laughs> <laughs> he probably had four or five goals so far this season. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was one in the first half we didn't mention where he had a free kick and essentially Beckles, all he needed to do was get a very slight touch on it and it would have been 1-0 us again in that opening period. So, yeah, interesting. I, I, I was a bit more negative on Goss last week, wasn't I, in terms of his set piece? But actually, I, the, more, the more I looked at it this week, Ollie, I think he does have the quality. It's just... I think think he's just been a bit unlucky to not find a man or, or a man read it better. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um, watching the extended highlights back, I couldn't couldn't bring myself to do the whole game this week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, we we had quite a few good set pieces, and yeah, poor defender, poor um, the reason I said defenders, <laughs> poor heading from the central defenders, and meant that those chances weren't converted. Um, but talking of converting chances, um, ten minutes into the second half, Salah got absolutely cut apart. The gap between midfield and defence was huge. Defence was really deep. Um, the right back gets behind our back three and crosses um, in in for Morris, and it's two nil. Um, and I think effectively at that point for me it was it was game over. And we didn't start that for yeah. the second half at all, did we? To be honest with you, that goal was coming. No, and that's frustrating. Is that we have seen an improvement second half, and I don't believe that you no know, Ricketts goes in there and starts throwing teacups around. I think it's about you know a bit of tactics and a bit of changing and a bit of focus, but. This game, it just did not happen. I didn't see any improvement. If not, potentially, we probably got worse second half. Yeah. It's like I was saying, I was in the, the South Stand second half, just sitting beyond the goal there. And I think it was only like the last 10 minutes we actually got the ball into mm. their box. Mm. You know, it was all up the other end. You know, when we were getting the ball, we were being sloppy with it. 
And um, yeah, it, it was it was just boring. It was dull second half. This that's a really good description of the game. Uh, dull and boring, and and it, it comes to a wider point, which again I'm we're trailing what we're going to talk about over the ten games about a lack of home goals. Uh, if you miss the South End game, you basically yeah. haven't seen any. So it, it is a struggle, really, and, and entertainment is a, is a massive factor for football fans. But it was it was interesting the way we we tried to play that second half. For me, it was odd. It was almost like we. I think maybe because we're under pressure, defenders were trying to do the easy thing, which was hit it long a little yeah. bit too much. And it almost felt like if this was the game for Morrison, you know, sorry, if there was a game for Morrison, it was probably this one because he might have had a bit more joy about some of those long balls because because the fleet with centre back was massive. He must have been at least six two. Oh, he was, he was, he was huge. Too, and and to be fair to Cummins and, and Lang, they're not going to get any joy out of him. So that maybe would have been a bit of a change. But obviously Morrison wasn't in the squad. I'm not too sure where, why that is, Ollie. I don't know if you've heard if he's injured or anything. But um, yeah, so it felt a little bit just too direct. And when we tried to play football. For me, the midfield three had possibly one of the worst games I've seen those three have in terms of their overall contribution to it. They they just got out battled out four. I thought Laurent was well off it, and Norburn looked like a man coming back from a serious injury. He was running through treacle as the second half went on, and Goss just basically sat deeper and deeper as the game went on. He didn't do too bad. He tried yeah. to spread it around, but um, it wasn't great, was it, Chris? No, and I, I, you've got to give some credit to Fleetwood though. To yes, be yeah, they, that's yeah. They, too much. They were horrible. A horrible team. They were falling <laughs> over. They were breaking the play up. You know, I think it was their number. Was it number 16, I think? He was on his arse yeah. most of the game. And, you know, that, that's a Barton team for you. You know, he sets them up to frustrate, to niggle, and, and that didn't help us have any flow in the way we were playing at all. I think Fleetwood, Ollie, are a bit... Um, with Barton, you imagine it's a bit of a them-against-us kind of situation, which players buy into, I reckon, a bit more, because you get your backs to the wall, the press haters, Joey Barton, all this sort of thing, and it definitely seemed to be that the Fleetwood players were buying into what was going on on the pitch there in terms of the the approach to it. We didn't like to see it, did we? You know, that time-wasting and, and some of that yeah. stuff. But, you know, they, they were doing it, and they were carrying it out to perfection. As, as a lot of people said, they did a job on us. It's exactly what they mm. did, isn't it? Yeah, they did do a job on us from a tactical point of view, mm-hmm. from an effort point of view, and also the yeah the the um, the shithousery in terms of um, some of the diving and play acting, um, and then some of the commotion that happened on the sideline. And yeah, you can imagine um, you know he's got a couple of um, let's say players with unsavoury past <laughs> in the squad, um, and yeah, there's definitely that kind of vibe about them. But I guess it works for them. Um, I'm not sure if I'd, I'll be too happy if that was my team, but um, yeah, it worked for them, and they certainly did a job and and. While we always quite um, we're always very hesitant to criticise the referees and go on that kind of tangent, I think it's fair to say the referee was quite poor um, in this game and he was quite easily manipulated. Yeah. The word that Ricketts used um, by their play acting and uh, you know kind of like the number of times that Lang in particular had a foul against him um, against someone who was probably about two foot taller than him was um, I thought was a bit of a surprise. I think I think the only thing it affected in the game was it, it took time out of the game, which is all, all Fleetwood yeah. going to do. But I, I can't really be too you know hard on a referee in Fleetwood because they, they that's what they were there to do. We did the same thing at Rotherham last week. You know, we, we, the referee wasn't there to do. that. Sorry, no, not there yeah. to do that. But but you know it. <laughs> They did it worse than us, and it was more horrible to watch. But Max O'Leary wasted loads of time at Rotherham last week, so every team does it when they're in a winning position and they yeah. they want to get something out of the game. But it it wasn't great to watch, and the historics of Barton on the side of the pitch was something I don't think we'll see Sam Ricketts doing very often. But um, yeah, it, it worked, didn't it? And then the referee kind of fell for it, and um, it, it wasn't great. Having said that, if the referee had played it straight down the line and had been a little bit easier on those decisions, I, I actually oh no, it didn't change the game. It was just all. another frustration. No. Um, and yeah, talking of frustrations. Um, Fleetwood get behind us again and cross to Paddy Madden who has the time to chest the ball let the ball come down volley it with no one around him um, and absolutely fires it into the back of the net and I guess at least we got to score a nice goal I guess even though it was against us Paddy Madden I, I did a stat at the start of the season about, uh, on, on the Blue and Amber account about the players who've scored the most goals against us in, in the last 10 years and Paddy Madden I think was second or third on that list and he obviously be one higher now because he's obviously scored another one he always scores against us and he's on the bench for Fleetwood yeah. I'd start him every week if he played for town. He's a proper solid league one player. He knows where the goal is. He's had a good goal scoring record. And you can see I was a it was a class finish, wasn't it? To be fair. Oh yeah, quality, you know. But equally we've got players that can do that as yeah, well. Not Cummins, I think. You know, when he signed for us, saw, saw what he did um away at Wimbledon. You know, he's he is the player that can do that. He can he can rifle it into the roof of the net. But again, he's not getting the service. Not getting the fin- yeah. Come back to confidence again. Um, but you're right, yeah, Paddy Mad. I think on Quest last night on the TV, they were saying, I think the sub uh, was Paddy Power, mm. I think. And it's, you know, 
we just, we've just got to get somebody firing like he does we have yeah and they brought Ashley Hunter on later on as well who's another good player at League One mm. so it shows they've got fair strength in death Fleetwood and, and, and say if we're reviewing them later on I think they were pretty good but it was interesting just before, you know obviously that was a 3-0 and, and as you say basically everybody left yeah because <laughs> it was getting quite well, there's still loads of time left though but it was one of those ones where people were like I've had enough of this it's dull yeah a lot of people left before we know we're not getting goal, actually um, they're, they're yeah. leaving quite early I think after the second goal people started to leave yeah, I think it was a disappointment. I, th- I think generally people are, are willing to, you know, we're still learning, we're still finding, finding our way. It's going to get better and better. And maybe I think we hoped this was going to be the one, know, the one yeah. where suddenly it clicks into place. Great, okay, we we know where we stand. And you know, it it, it was disappointing. I think you know the, the fact that you know this could have been the turning point for us. And the more it I might th- be a turning point, but the other way around. Yeah, the more I think about this season as well, Ollie, it's difficult to say we've had a very impressive result yet. Portsmouth are pretty rubbish and we beat them opening day, but they've not been great this season. Southend were awful. Wimbledon were, are awful this season. The best results have come against some of the poorer teams in the division. It would have been mm. nice to have a good result against one of the better teams in the division. I think that's what we're now waiting to see to show a little bit of mm. we've moved beyond that transitional phase to now we're at it and we're going to yeah. go for it. Saturday to me means we're not at it, but we're still, we're still transitioning. There's there's many weeks to wait until we get to where Ricketts probably wants us to be. But um, it was interesting, you know, and a lot of this will come to tactics stuff. But it was interesting that there was a lot of people in around us chanting for four four two Ollie during the second half. Yeah, I thought yeah it was quite audible. I would say, oh, yeah, I, I kind of put a, a cheeky tweet out um, <laughs> in the in the evening, which got quite a few um, a few likes about how. Yeah, playing four four two. Um, does that mean that um, yeah the players will tackle and work harder and you know they'll score goals um, and also you know that they'll put in ten out of ten performances? Yeah. I think um, I can understand fans fans are frustrated, um, but I think it's irrelevant what formation you play um, when you just do not do the basics. Mm-hmm. And the thing that really kind of upset me a little bit was players were just hiding. So people were shouting at the central defenders for hitting it long or you know, missing passes, but no one wanted the ball. There was one particular moment in the first half, near the end of the first half, where um, we had the ball at the back. I mentioned the player Giles. Yeah. He could have come short and got the ball off Beckles, but he didn't. He just stood next, standing next to a Fleetwood player. Now, that might just be me just seeing one instance, but how many times in the second half did you see um, Goss... Lauren or Norburn get the ball from the back three. Not all. No, no. I, I, and I gen, and I. This is just my own opinion and what I think from watching the game. But if I was a central defender and if I was Beckles, who had a particularly poor game, I'd be quite disappointed in my, my mates and my teammates who didn't support me. And people were moaning about the strikers, and but the strikers didn't have nothing to kind of work on. Everyone was shouting for Wally to come on, but I didn't see what Wally's going <laughs> to do, do when he doesn't anyway. get the ball. No. <laughs> well, he just no. He's, I mean, he's not a striker anyway. So I think. If you did, if you did the the match ratings, we don't do match ratings on the podcast, but um, Lewis Cox always does, and he gave a lot of fives. Um, If I was doing it, you know, the first thirty minutes and then the second, um, then the rest of the game, I would say there'd be a lot of threes, Mm. and I think there was some particularly poor performances out there, and I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how the management team kind of react and how the players react to this um, this performance because. They dropped. They lacked belief, and their heads dropped. Yeah. And it was a very, very poor performance. Really disappointing in how they performed. I was going to ask Chris as well because, like, you talk about yeah. player performance. Um, you briefly mentioned Beckles there, but I think he was a standout, wasn't he? It, it was worrying yeah. how bad he was second half. He was, yeah. I mean, he just so uncertain when he got the ball. Yeah. You know, he was he was giving it straight back to them as well. He, he just he just looked shot, so nervous, mm. and um, and also I think generally. Um, you mentioned there about getting the ball out to sort of the wing backs or uh, a couple of times. I you know Max O'Leary, he'd throw the ball out. Uh, Giles was once today, and he'd start to bomb up the pitch. Loads of space in front of him. Get to the halfway line, stop, and check, back, yeah, and then pass it around, <laughs> along the back four again. And it seems like that's the way they've been told to play. Yes, so I remember Ricketts. You know, we, we were. Uh, at the end of last season, you know, we were fortunate enough to go in there and he showed us the way he wanted to yes, play. Yes, he came to the meeting. Yeah, he and, and he said, yeah, I play with wing-backs, I want it to switch the play from one side to the other, and so, which, which is great, okay, he said, this is, this is how we've seen other teams, this is how they play, you know, this is what will work in this division, that's great, but equally it kind of stifles the creativity. I think, you know, as you said... Yeah. I would say sometimes we do that well, though. There were some attacks in the first 30 minutes where Giles was kind of isolated... He didn't have really have any options. They yeah. passed the ball back along the back three. Then we attacked again, and then we had um, success. 
Um, no. But they figured it out, the, the problem with my argument is that we don't score enough goals and when we do switch to play and then go the other side, we don't, you know, we're not really creating enough chances in this particular game is, is a great example of that. So I understand why they don't just, you know, run down a closed alley and get tackled because then would criticise them for doing that. But yeah, it's, it's, I think it's clear to see that, um, you know, we're, we're certainly not performing well at the moment. But do you understand my point about yeah, I, I, you know, passing back's fine to keep possession, yeah. but it's just, I think people get frustrated yeah. because we don't do anything. That tactic, um, it can when the fullbacks get pushed back and they can't mm. get forward, you don't have those crossfield balls to play. If Giles and Love are too far back, it takes away that avenue for us to attack. Yeah. They're forced to go long through the middle, it, and it almost bypasses the midfield. And, and Fleetwood figured that out pretty early on. I think they they left men on Love and um, Giles, so they couldn't go too far forward without taking too much risk. And you got again, you got to give Barton the credit for kind of spotting that. But if if managers keep kind of thinking this is the way to combat what Shrewsbury Town want to do in an attacking sense, yeah. we will not score many goals this season. They've got to find a way. So then why weren't the central midfielders getting the ball? Or a striker dropping? Well, they, they were, but they were giving it away a lot, weren't they? And they, they didn't have the best games. As I said, I mentioned, I think Norburn was probably... Norburn and Laurent, to be honest, looked like they were coming back from injuries and weren't very pacey second half. And I think that was probably why we played worse in the second half. So, you know, you need to see more from those midfielders to me. And, and you know, I think that, as I said, Fleetwood figured out that was the best way mm. to nullify us. And they 100% did from that, that 15-minute period onwards. And so, I th- yeah. you know, I kind of understand both your points, really. I think it's, it's, it's almost... Mm. Uh, it can no, work, but we're not seeing it work enough. Yeah, none of our players seemed to get any space yesterday. Yeah. So even when we did get the ball, you know, it was like, yeah, you know, there, there was no real clear cut passes or killer balls that they could play. Mm. You know, you, you know, they nullified. Yeah. They knew where yeah. we were going to play, and they nullified it. I think you're giving too much respect to Fleetwood. <laughs> I would say that um, while they're a good side and they're very well organised. Yeah, I'm that's just what it... like I think Ricketts will be watching this game back, and he'll be get angry and angrier watching the players just hide. Against Wimbledon, second half, we started dominating the game by Goss and Norburn kind of taking the ball and Laurent running forward. Name me a t- Can you remember any time in the second half that our midfielders passed to each other? No, I, I agree. No. The midfield were massively disappointing second half. Really, really disappointing. And um, just when we thought we'd found the three that were probably going to take us forward, you know, you, you're, left with question, you're left with questions. Well, it gives players opportunities now because none of them deserve to start the next game. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to see what happens next week. I mean, eventually, I mean, I would have changed it when we went 2-0 down because it was quite clear that sticking with that five at the back wasn't going to work. But eventually, after that third goal, he did go 4-3-3, didn't he? Bought, bought um, Wally on. And there was a couple of moments, Pierre ran the length of the pitch, which was amazing. <laughs> um, and uh, Pierre obviously ran forward at one point the length of the pitch, which was fantastic. And he sort of went there and kind of fluffed up the, the, the last bit of it. But there was massive applause just for that attacking intent, which kind of showed you how frustrated fans, fans were with the sort of how anemic we'd been going forward. Um, and yeah, there was also a shot that Wally had. I think was probably the only only effort we had really in the in the second half, and it wasn't great. It was weak at the keeper. So I, I wish he changed it early and and gone a bit more attacking because it did kind of maybe open us up a little bit. You said we got a little bit of ball in that last ten minutes, that, but yeah, it was because we threw a, a man extra forward and we we risked it at the back. But also we've already talked about this, but I think Fleetwood had a couple more good chances where they could have gone four 0 up later on as well. So it was it was a bit risky. Oh yeah, they could have um, scored loads of goals. They could, they, yeah. and they should have in some respects. There was one where it went right across the box as well where they could have yeah. scored. So it, it could easily have been worse. Um, and then at the end, I'd say it was just those histrionics. Barton got booked and, and uh, the referee kind of lost the control of it. And that was it. Full-time whistle for booze. And, and you know, not massive like we had under Aski last year, but definite booze. And most, it's hard. I don't want to build this up because I don't think I'm in a position where I'm saying Ricketts should go nowhere in, in a no. million years. But it was very noticeable that West End was aggrieved and there was booze on the final whistle that weren't too loud. But then when Ricketts came over to clap, he got ma- he got pretty big booze the people that were still coming oh, kind of out the stadium, pelters, yeah. which was interesting to me. So, uh, you know, why that is happening is for us to figure out. Let's hold that yeah, thought yeah. there, Glenn. Let's hold that thought there and we'll come back to that in the... Um, well, I think, it's, I think it's a really important part to discuss in the 10-game review why our fans are yep. frustrated. And I've spent quite a bit of time this afternoon chatting on Twitter, asking questions, and I feel like I've got a bit of a sense of why the fans are frustrated. I'm also looking at the results and um, some of the stats. I can kind of understand um, some of the home frustration. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, we can we can go into that in the 10-game review. That's fine. I mean, that, we sort of mentioned the sort of things we were going to say about the summary. We talked about the sort of mental yeah. issues that happened second half in terms of... Um, the, the sort of way that we crumbled, unfortunately, and and for me, you know, when you compared our team, if you looked at those two players, you'd say that Fleetwood had the more quality players. But a lot of that, as you said, Ollie was to do with how well drilled there, and it comes across. And I think that Fleetwood look a little bit Hursty team, don't they? They've bought in, they're well drilled. He's getting the best out of players, a decent yeah. average League One players, and you got to give Barn credit for that, I suppose. Um, 
but for me, my overall review of that was it was a huge reality check on Saturday. Um, it, we look like a team team that have got mid table ambitions and a, and a mid table mentality at the moment. Um, with how inconsistent we are, and honestly, how positive we were last week, Ollie, it drained a lot of my confidence for, yeah. for where we're headed this season, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, personally, I was really positive going in. I was. I thought we'd this game. I thought, yeah, we'll do this. We'll be sniffing around the playoffs, and and that's where we'll be for the rest of the season. And you know, we'll have a sight set on the playoffs. Mm. I think now after yesterday, all the <laughs> expectations have been brought back in, and it's like, right, okay, well, we're it's going to take a lot longer for us to begin to that position. So yeah, just talk about the opposition quickly. Um, so yeah, well organised in a four three three. Um, some quality players. Um, yeah, and I think you can we can see why they're third in the league, um, and they'll be. I'm not sure they'll compete all the way for the, for promotion. Um, yeah, but yeah, they're definitely a good side and definitely one of the best sides we've seen. Um, obviously, Ipswich, um, fantastic team for this level. Um, but I'd say probably out of the ten teams we've seen, they're probably the second best team that we've seen. And we... Yeah, decent. They were mm. decent, to be fair. I mean, our tricky one here is trying to pick a top three, Ollie. We were talking about it during yeah. the game, weren't we? And interesting yeah. to see what Lewis Cox's match player ratings will be in the start. But we, we talked about this pre-match. I mean, we can't honestly give a top three this no, week, can we? I'm because not giving a top we, three. We only think, think that Lang was about the only player to come out with a bit of credit. But could, would you prefer anyone else to go in the top three? I've, I did think about Norbert at one point, but Norbert. even that that was scraping the bottom of the barrel, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, Lang, just for his effort, he, he really was committed. So is that it? We're just giving Lang first out of all our top... So out of nine potential choices, we're just going for three, and that's Lang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't do it very often, but... The, the, the performance was abject, to be honest with you. So I think that's fairly warranted, Ollie. And it's probably been a good year since we did something like that. So there we go. We can move on from that pretty quick today. Um, so it's probably just worth running through Ricketts' comments just before we move on to the... So as you said, he was bitterly disappointed. We started well. We didn't take those chances. Then we conceded against the run and play. It knocked the stuffing out of us. Um, and it shouldn't have done. And we spoke about it in the dressing room. Um, you know, we couldn't get going. We couldn't shake it off. Um, too many players were, had an off game. Um, then he talked a bit about the referee and being manipulated. Um, and then he kind of points out about how the start of the second half, um, you know, um, it was eight minutes and only four minutes of the game was in play. Um, but yeah, I think you've got a comment on that, that one, that one, Glenn. Yeah, I mean, well, we, I said it during what we were reviewing it then that we did something, we didn't do it quite as horribly as then, but we did waste loads of time at Rotherham. And we have, I've seen Shrewsbury Town waste time all the time. So it's, it, I can completely understand that, but I, I don't think that distracts from what was clearly a better performance by Fleetwood in a game we deserve to lose. So um, it's just frustrating to watch, isn't it? Added to that sense of frustration in watching that game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, don't, I mean, I heard online, I don't know if you guys know it's true, but uh, Ricketts kept the players in the changing room for a yeah, little time which, afterwards. It's not true. It's we not looked at because right, he did yeah. his interview pretty quickly afterwards, didn't he? So I, I, I didn't know where that had came from. I, I, re- I retweeted it. Unless the players stayed on their own, but the manager certainly didn't stay in there for 45 minutes. Should have so. done. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> not no, sure where that well, came we from. Well, let's leave that there. It wasn't great. And um, yeah, a bit of a reality check, as we said. So yeah, we'll move on from that, really, which is the, the last of the sort of 10 opening games in the league. And uh, we'll move on to sort of the 10-game review. Through 2 2 at Millmore only a few days ago, but here comes Shrewsbury now with Stevens. Great chance, must jolly be a goal for Taylor. Shrewsbury are back in it. So, the 10 game review. So, we've played 10 league games mm-hmm. now. Um, it's really funny looking at the league table. Some teams have played 8, 9, 10, and 11 yep. games, um, but Shrewsbury have played 10. We have won three, drawn four, and lost three. Um, we have scored nine goals um, and conceded four, um, 13 and have a minus four um, um, goal difference. Um, so a very mid-table start to the season. Um, if you, um, some of the people remember, um, did on the Future Town Facebook group a kind of expectations for the season. Um, and I thought it was quite interesting that 83% of the fans um, thought that we would finish essentially mid-table. Yeah. Um, so we, we expect to finish mid-table and we're currently mid-table at the moment. Um, so that does kind of raise some questions about why so many fans are quite upset, but we'll come on to that later. But I thought it was just worth sharing an interesting, a good tweet from Phil Thomas, where he said in response to a, a big thread of tweets, he said, not disagreeing that we should be the a final aim to get in the playoffs, but it's not going to happen overnight. The squad was only finalised a few games ago. I expect a mid-table finish this year. I'll push on for players next season. Mm. So we kind of know our expectations from me and Glenn. It was mid-table. So going to the seat. Yeah, you said 12. Um, what was your expectations, Chris, going into the season? Um, I was fairly optimistic, to be honest, especially as the squad started to come together. Mm. You start to see the quality of the players we're getting, like Donald Love, get Giles on loan, Max O'Leary. I'm thinking, mm. yeah, this, this is shaping up quite nicely. However... 
<laughs> the end of last season when Ricketts came in, you know, I, I wasn't confident at all. I was thinking, I wasn't convinced by Ricketts. Mm. I was thinking, you know, it, it's not, not great. Um, again, I just I referred before to the, um, yeah, when we invited up to the training ground. Yeah. And uh, Ricketts went through how he wanted the teams to play, all the analysis he'd done about this This is how the team's at the top of the table, how they play, so this is what how I want us to play. Mm. And I came away from there really optimistic. I was thinking, actually, he's got a plan. Mm. He, he's got a plan, he's based it on facts, and then as a recruitment came in, I could see where those players were going to fit into yeah, that yeah. plan. So, so I was quietly confident. Um, again, it has taken, it is taking time for these yeah. players to gel. Um, the quality's there. I would have hoped it would have gelled um, by now. But as say, as, as Phil Thomas Phil said there, you know, uh, the strike force is a brand new strike force. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's only been in two or three weeks. Three games, yeah. So you, you've got to, you know, you, you've got to go with that. Um, I still think we've got a sniff of the playoffs if it gels in the next month. Yeah. Um, you know, there's still a lot of football to be played after Christmas yep. as well. You, you always see a team that's a good run towards the end of the season, you know, that the sort of um, piles up there. So my expectations weren't great. They were better after that meeting at the training ground. <laughs> they were even better when I saw the players he was getting in. Now reality is it's kicking hitting. in. It yeah. is kicking in. It, uh, it's yeah, it, it's going to take time. It's, it's interesting, Ollie. I mean, you know, normally on ten games because the transfer window was shutting earlier and we couldn't make as many changes to the team, or we were a bit more settled ten games in. You could do a, a much more sort of crisp review of those ten games. It does feel a little bit like maybe we should have left it to like twelve or thirteen games this year just to give them another three with these strikers. See how that settles down. I, I, obviously, it were ten games in. It is a good point to say review, but I think there is a that would be my little caveat on this this at the moment. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. Um, I'm not sure Chris actually said what his expectations were. Um, positive. I did ramble on. Um, generally positive. At the start of the season, I, I thought, you know, top 10 okay. would be realistic. Would be realistic. Okay. That's fine. Um, yeah. So, we, and I think it's, you make an interesting point there, Glenn. So, and I think it's, there's a few things, like a few interesting things to kind of mention. One is, like, do we, do we link in um, kind of like Sam Ricketts' performance last season into now, or do we give him a fresh start from the start of the season? And then added on to that, do we say, okay, we've signed loads of players and we signed some quite late. So that's, I think, adds in mm. terms, terms of the mix. And I think that's why some fans are so um, kind of polar opposites. It's kind of almost like, you know, what the country's in at the moment. You know, you've got some fans saying, you know, you should have improved the team by now, we should be much better. And those fans saying, no, it does take some time to build a team, which links quite interestingly onto a, a tweet we had from from Sally Howard. And she said, how long has Ricketts got until the axe falls? Um, I, I, that's, that's a bit harsh, I think. At this stage. But there are people saying that sacking Ricketts it should be sacked. Which brings me back to your point you just made about fresh slates. I think the people that are saying that now are the ones that didn't say, right, this starts from day zero now, yeah. start this season. I'm a little bit like that. I mean, we didn't see much exciting football under Ricketts last year. Not many goals and not many wins. He just did enough, didn't he, really? Yeah. And that, you know, we've won three this season, which is a little bit better. I think point per game, we're probably a little bit up, but it's still not stellar. Um, so I think that people who are looking at all of Ricketts' tenure are the ones that are starting to think, right, we're getting towards maybe, won't be too long till he's been here a year, will it? And, and I think that's where those people are coming from. For me, how long will it be before the axe falls? Oh, we, he won't get sacked before Christmas, there's no way. So if, even if it went wrong. It's pretty much a brand new squad mm. that he's got there, you know. Um got to give him time to gel you know i think as i said i think his, his recruitment has been impeccable i, I cannot fault that mm. at all to be honest um you know and as i said you know you've got to give got to give him the season at least i think okay um, <laughs> if we're down in the bottom four after christmas i would get chris back on to ask him about that yeah okay yeah so, you know, replay <laughs> that back to them I, you know it's not in a minute we're not we, we said this last week we're not in john askey territory are we regardless of what the hell's going on, on the, no so, we're not i mean for me my, my main concern about it is He's, he's created a team that is at times not very entertaining to watch and um, I think you know when you talk about what this bu- what's bubbling under the surface at the moment is that fans just want to be entertained and yeah we had a really entertaining yeah. game against South End, but then we've backed it up with what were two pretty dull games at Rotherham and then at home on, on Saturday where I wasn't very entertained during either of those games it was gritty and hard working and, at Rotherham and you were pleased with the result but it's it's not exciting to watch is it and maybe that's again why we're... yeah that's, uh, that's interesting so yes yeah, so we had a, a tweet from Mark um, was saying, yeah, you know, are we entertaining to watch? And and he was supposedly pointing out that you know when we're not entertaining, can you not? Yeah, seen a lot of goals that potentially you know you're going to be less patient. And I think that's definitely a contributing factor in terms of how the 
how the fans are behaving um, and how the fans are reacting to what they're seeing. It's, it's interesting. I, was, I think I might, I don't know if I said this before, but I say one of my friends who has only missed the South End home game has been to all the other away games and went to Ipswich, uh, sorry, all the other home games and went to Ipswich away has seen Shrewsbury score one goal this season you know, yeah. in, in what is six or seven games. It's not great, is it? Yeah. No. And that's the, for me, I think an interesting point. So if you just look at the, and I was trying to understand like why are the fans like so frustrated? I understand like individual moments, but there is definitely a, an undercurrent of unhappiness among the fans. So we've looked back one against the goals that we've scored this season. And also I've actually gone back to the goals that we had, um, how amount of goals we scored at home under Ricketts last season. So um, last season when we had Sam Ricketts, we had 13 goals at home in the league. Mm-hmm. And we only scored 11 goals. Yeah. So we scored basically 0.8 goals a game, which mm. obviously isn't great. <laughs> and then for the home fans this season, they've seen us win. So we've won two games and drawn two. So that's not actually a bad record. No. Yeah. That's 1.6 points per game gets you in the playoffs. But in terms of goals, first game of the season against Portsmouth, we scored one goal. Home to Rochdale, none. Mm-hmm. Home to Burton, none. And then obviously they had the South End game, but we had nil against Fleetwood. So, you know, looking at those kind of stats and looking at, you know, the history of the home kind of goals and then thinking that, you know, you've been to you've been to five home games this season and you've had three of them where you haven't even scored. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, I guess the frustration for me is I've, I've seen all the individual bits of the team work well in a particular game. Yeah. But not all the bits work together at the same time. So you had games where the defence has just been absolutely so solid and that's, that's been great. Yeah. And the, then the forward... Has the defence been solid? People say that, but we've conceded 13 goals. No, what Chris is saying, in some games it has been. Yeah, so and, get, but then the yeah. strikers haven't been yeah, working so in there. Yeah. yeah, we've had, we've had um, one, two, three... We've had, we've had four clean sheets. So, it's yeah, it's still yeah. A, not a bad number out of ten. Four percent of the games, we've had a clean sheet. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a frustration. You can see when they do play well, they play well, but it's not consistent. No. And then you, you had the strikers where they've looked alive, they looked on fire, you think, yeah, OK, the forwards started to get, get their act together now. Mm. But we've never had all the pieces work together at the same time. Yeah. And that's the frustration. That's a re- I think that's a really good point, Ollie, as well. That It's that lack of consistency again and you could also roll that up a little bit by saying there have been a lot of games this season where we've had a good half and a bad half again mm. similar to what we were doing under Ricketts last year which is a pattern that seems to be repeating where they, they cannot say play consistently well for a whole game even South End where we won we had huge swathes in that game where we were god awful to be honest mm. with you and yes you get inconsistent players at League One level but Ricketts has, has yet to find consistently where we can get a team out there performing exactly what they're supposed to do for the, for the 90 minutes and you know, Rotherham away last week was a good example of that, where they were really gritty and hard-working, but there were, again, even long stretches in that game where Rotherham should have beaten us, and we, we did switch off and we weren't playing consistently. And it's going to happen because it's a League One, but that, that's some of the big challenges that he's got. And again, mo- one of the multitude of reasons, and I think a lot of different fans who maybe are starting to be negative about Ricketts have got lots of different holes they can poke at what's going yeah. on at the moment. Even yeah. fans that are still miffed that he played for Wrexham, managed Wrexham <laughs> and played for Wolves, you know, some people still don't forget all that. And I think that... For Ricketts, the only thing he's got to worry about is that results go bad because all those things will culminate again like they did with Askey. Um, but I still think that, you know, to be mid-table with what we've got, it, there's no no reason why we should be talking about that at this mm-hmm. stage. But as much as Chris has said, as much as Chris said, you know, with it, with it clicking, it could go playoffs. If we're looking at 10 games, I've also seen enough that it could, because of the mental fragility that I've seen, go pretty bad as well. So it, it, it's so tricky to see which way we're heading. And I think that, as I said, this 10 games and because of how it is, it, it's way too early to make solid predictions about where it's going, I think. Yeah, I think it's fair to say not, it's hard to make too many predictions, especially given the, the signings and stuff. But yeah. I think the fact that we haven't scored in six of the 10 games is definitely a concern. And interesting tweet from Andy Lewis today. You said, you know, if we don't score enough goals... Is that a path to relegation? And are you still concerned that we're not going to score goals? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded to which way that will go. Uh, I think Cummins is a really good player, like Chris talked about before, and I think Lang is a good player as well. And I think that once they get a bit more into this system or the system can be tweaked a little bit to provide them with more opportunities to score, then we'll be fine. But if, if we can't figure out a way to create more chances from from open play with the, with the wing-backs... Uh, they, they won't get goals because they just won't get enough chances. So I think I, again, I, again, I'm too early to say quite how that will go. I, I, I fancy Cummins, but I, I don't know. It, yeah. it's, it's hard to predict. Are you concerned <laughs> about goals at all? Because yeah, it's interesting you mentioned tactics there, Glyn. So do you think it's the the tactics that we're playing, or do you think it's the performances? Because I think I think it, for me, I think it's too simplistic to talk about formations. If there was one formation that was better than all other formations, every single team would play the same formation every single week. 
but we, we're trying. We've said this last week. We're trying to score the same goal every time. Get it down the get it down the wing. Yeah. And people, have, teams have got it. Teams have figured that yeah. out. But yeah, it's it's because they're trying to I say score the same goals as you said then. And and I think teams are starting to figure that out, which is why we're scoring so many blanks. Is that we're, we're pretty obvious about how we're trying to score those goals. And so that's the bit they need to figure out. Ollie. If they can figure out a way of doing that slightly more dynamically and and finding a striker in the right positions or I don't know, timing runs better for me. That that's where the, the goals will start to come and we'll be fine. I think you're right, Glenn. Yeah, there seems to be a pattern of play for us to score goals. Is get it down the wing, get it onto the edge of the penalty areas and just knock it across the box for somebody hopefully to reach. Which is great, but as you said, people find out that's the way we're going to play. So what about playing it through the middle? Again, mm. on the deck, through the middle. We've got some pace in the team as well, with, with Udo. Yeah. You know, and we, we don't seem to be able to switch to that plan B instantly. Mm. We, we, you're right. One way of playing, one way of scoring goals. Let's try something different when it's not working. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting, isn't it? I think it's going to take a bit of time for the team to kind of adapt. Um, kind of going back to the tactics thing, I think it's a little bit simplistic just to say you know three at the back doesn't work because um, I think that's well that's just not true. Um, Wolves scored loads of goals when they went when they had a great season in the championship and um, playing three at the back. Obviously, it's not working for them now. But yeah, I think <laughs> uh, I think tactics is tactics is. An easy one, I think, and that's why I think sometimes like both fans went to it on um, on Saturday because it's an easy one to point at. Um, but yeah, it's about player performance, and it links quite nicely onto a question we had from from James, which is, you know, why are we so maddeningly inconsistent? Yeah, well, for, for me, I mean, for some of the inconsistency can go down this season to the fact we have been rotating players during the start mm. of these ten games because of injuries. Um, so that that's a fair comment, I suppose. Have we had a settled team too often? No. We had it this week for the first time. We played pretty much the same team, didn't we? And um, lost 3-0, so maybe maybe that isn't the way forward. Uh, we talked about the mental approach. I think that's a big part of the inconsistency and, and the fact that you've got League One players that aren't being consistent. Um, but yeah, as I talked about, still setting down. And um, yeah, I, I've sort of talked about, again, that, that fact that I think there are games where teams have figured out our approach to scoring, like I just talked about then, and, and that adds to our inconsistency. I don't know about you, Chris. Yeah, I mean, for me, Ricketts has always been going on about, I want work right, I want effort for the team. And that, that's great, you know, you can't, you can't fault that. But if you rely too much on that to get the performance out of your players, mm. if they're tired, if they're having an off day, then and you're relying on that to get the results, then it's not going to work. Mm. And I think I, I think think sometimes you know, you know, if the players have had three games in a week or whatever, you know, then they're they're not going to be at the top of their game, no. and so you're going to be inconsistent because they're not performing. So you know, you've got to rely on other things apart from that. What about you, Ollie? What would what would you put it down to? I don't know. It's an interesting one. It's a hard one to answer. I think there's so many different reasons. Um, interesting you point to Glenn about number of players that have started. We've had twenty players start in the league. Yep, which obviously a high number. Um, and. Yeah, I, I don't quite agree with Chris about kind of effort and putting work rate in. I think, you know, I'm sure the teams that are, we've seen Fleetwood work really hard and we've seen, you know, a lot of other teams put in big shifts um, and you can only, you know, you only have success in professional football working hard every single week. They weren't, they weren't um, doing that second half. Yeah, I mean, I agree. No, that's my re- point. That yeah. contributes to the inconsistencies that we don't have that consistent performance. If you rely too much on that, though, and I've got a feeling that's really what he does rely on too mm. much as well. And, uh, yeah, you, no, I can see why you could draw that conclusion. Yeah, and if, if they're not at the top of the game, you know, you're not going to get the results and the performance you need. So you said there's other factors. What else, Ollie? Um, I, it's, <laughs> I think it's. I think it's. I think you're right, Glenn, about um, um, teams kind of um, sussing us out. Yeah. And I think we're being a little bit too simplistic in our attacking. You know, get the ball along the back three, pass the ball to the wing back, try and put a low cross in. I think that is, yeah, you know, as we saw Fleetwood defend against that. Um, and quite a few people on Twitter have been pointing out they were a bit too um, easy to read. Um, and I think that's where, you know, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of three at the back um, and four at the back playing, you know, 4-3-3 or 4-5-1. You can mix and move players around yeah, easier. Yeah. I think it is more difficult potentially to maybe move the team around with a 5-3-2. A, a um, but I don't know, maybe you could do things. You could put Lauren up and you could tell one of the wing backs to stay up. But I think if the players are not putting the effort in, and just making loads of errors like they did on Saturday, I think tactics is, is second, and it's about putting the effort in and doing the basics. And and that's for me, I think is the if I had to put one thing why we're inconsistent, I think it's we're just not doing the basics enough. Yeah, fair enough. That was that was pretty obvious on Saturday. It's interesting what you some of the things there lead us to another question we had from Robin Hoodshrew, which was is Sam Ricketts holding us back? We've plethora of good attacking options now: Lang, Cummings, Doe, Wally, Morrison, and Faye when he's fit. 
Um, would love to play a more attacking formation to accommodate more attacking players in the side. Discuss. So, a good question for me. I mean, in terms of is he holding us back? I, mm-hmm. I, I, can't, I can't say he's holding us back, but he's, he's certainly, for me, still got the handbrake on a little bit too much in some respects. Now, for me, I'm not a football manager, but I would bin off playing five at the back and the wing-backs at home. I know he want to do it every game because they want to get into that formation player every week, but I would play a flat-back four. I'd play four in midfield and whatever combination he wants to do, whether it's wingers or a diamond or fucking Christmas tree for all I care and I play two wingers up front and I try and impose our attacking game a little bit more at home particularly against the weaker teams like Southend and various other teams that we played and I stick with what he's got in terms of that five at the back and the approach away from home because I think it will get joy away from home and we'll win games on the break like we did on the Hurst that, that's my view that's what I do so for me I think that I would just like to see us be a bit more imposing at home whether that's te- and I would possibly start to fiddle about with the tactics Ollie. I think that's where uh, to disagree with you, I think that's where tactics can be too simplistic because let's yeah. turn the other way around. If you're playing three at the back, you can have your wing backs completely pushed up as high as you would as a wingers. So that kind of nullifies that little argument potentially because you have your wing backs playing basically as wingers anyway. And then you could have yes. one of your central backs overlapping and pushing on the side. And I, while up, but my, I agree with your sentiment and your point, I think we are playing defensive. So it's not necessarily about the formation, but I think we are playing defensively, if that makes sense. I agree, but I think that playing four at the back forces you not to be so defensive. That you'll have wingers that you'll have wingers that are stuck out there if you play them, for example, and they will be a different option for getting the ball out the back rather than going through the middle. Or, or and, and for me, I agree with what you're saying about that far the back. It can work, and we've just talked previously about we've seen it work. But for me, when you when your fullbacks getting pushed, when your wingbacks getting pushed back too far, and they're not getting out, we just don't have that and that width and that attacking option. And it's a, it falls in between both I, I, and I think you know we we are different on this Ollie. you would leave the tactics and I think I'd have a try and change them I don't know where does Chris sit in between I, I think you've got to look at your opposition you know I mean yeah. four four two. okay fair, players know what they're doing yep. they're going up playing four four two. I'm a winger this is where I go that's what I do but equally if you play that and you've got a team that's got three central midfielders you potentially overrun in the centre of the park mm-hmm. so you've got to look at how the other team are playing how are they set up you know if they've got three in the park and you've only got two you're potentially going to struggle mm. So, you know, but you've got to have the personnel to be able to switch. And I, th- I think he has. I think he has. But It's just so interesting, isn't it? It's still eight, ten games in with yeah, such, a, think, such a mix. I think it's too simplistic, though, to say that one formation is more attacking than another. Like, let's take pay four at the back. Newcastle played Spurs. They played four five one, and they had twenty percent possession. I, 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 I'm, I, where you can play four, you can play four at the back, and you can be really attacking. I think, it, I think it's too simplistic to say one formation is more attacking than another. It's about how those players play and what freedom they have and how much they push forward. I'm starting to fundamentally disagree with that as this season goes on though. I think fundamentally this tactic under Ricketts will only be a more negative and defensive approach than it is an attacking one. But you can't say Wolves were defensive when they won the championship and they played same formation. I've no idea. I don't watch Wolves regularly to be honest with you. I watch Shrewsbury Town. I can only yeah. judge it on what I'm seeing from Ricketts and this this formation and for me, it's it's always a defensive negative setup that is going to struggle to get us goals. It might not be. He might be able to adapt that, and the players might get into it. But at the moment, it always seems a safety first approach, and and that's my view on Ricketts and how he plays that tactic. And again, go back to confidence again. If you've got wing backs, if their confidence is shot, they're not going to be bombing up into the attacking side of their pitch. They'll be holding back, or they get so far, and then they'll play it back again. So you, you won't get that kind of attacking momentum that you get if the players aren't sort of willing to sort of get up there and really sort of push up. You, you said something then, Glenn, that you said where that's how Ricketts plays this tactic, and that's where I totally... I just don't think it's um, right to say that a formation is attacking or defensive. It's about how that manager plays it. And you're right to say that we are a defensive team, and can t- totally agree with you on that point. We're at a very... Ricketts plays a defensive team. I, I agree with it. You often, you know, and we often talk about other teams and what they do in the Premiership and stuff. I, mm. I, sometimes I, I worry that we rely on maybe that a bit too much because they've got world class players. It's a completely different game in some respects, I think, a little bit because you can rely on the quality of the strikers to get them out of trouble or make it look better attacking. Or you've got Mo Salah bombing down one wing and Fabinho, and you know, yeah. tactically watching Liverpool play is, is interesting, but they're all just world class players and they can make you be get off your seat and get excited because they've got individual qualities that you won't get a league one. So I, I think it's, it's an interesting debate, Ollie. One maybe we should keep having as the season goes on because um, I, I'm starting to feel like premiership football is a different game to what I watch on Saturdays <laughs> most of the weeks. But uh, there we go. I mean, we had one last question, didn't we? Which was an interesting one for me, Ollie, which was, does Faye get into your starting lineup if we've got a fully fit team? So yeah, what about you, Ollie? No. 
Oh dear. Chris? No. Oh dear. Poor old Faye. He's had enough. <laughs> I, I think I'd have to say no as well, to be honest with you. I do think that Lang is really good and, and that Cummins has probably got a better finishing ability than Faye. Harsh on Faye, though, because he was great for us last season. And um, now you look back and think, possibly should we have sold him to Sunderland for 800k in Christmas last year? Because we've had 800k in the bank that we're probably not going to get anymore. But harsh on him. Ollie, I think. Yeah, potentially a little bit harsh, but you know, I think you know over the course of the season, there's a lot of league games, yes, um, and a lot of cup games. I think he'll he'll play. You know, you still want to have you know a really good sub striker. So, is he in my best eleven? No, but I still like him to definitely be in the squad. And who knows? You never know. You get an injury to one of the players, and he could be playing a lot. Yeah, sorry, I, sorry I, I agree to an extent because you, you do need that pacey guy that can attack down the middle. Mm. So again, as I mentioned before, you need a plan B. You don't just get it down the wings and cross it in the box. You know, you might need to sort of play it through the middle. And Faye's a great player to have in your squad to be able to give you that option. A different attacking view. The, the one thing I'll give credit to Ricketts for is I think all three of the four, well, five of the strikers that he's got really, all of them are very, they've got slightly different elements to them, I think, in terms of Faye's pace, Morrison's ability, in terms of the, the, the wiliness, the old school skills that he brings yeah. the target man you've got Cummins who's just a clever poacher kind of striker I think and you've got Lang whose work rate is exceptional will press all over, all over the place and you've got the raw ability of a dog you've got to give again when we talk about recruitment you know we've yeah. possibly been quite negative here considering we're sitting 12th but I think it's good for this 10 game review to take it all in is recruitment there up front you, you can't argue with those five strikers yeah I, I mean I, I agree I mean at the moment we, we're thinking that Cummins and Lang is our, is our best period up mm. front which, which I think on raw ability yes it probably is I yeah. think those are our two best best strikers but equally it's getting the blend and how do they work together you know as you said we've got seven strikers there mm. you know somewhere in that seven there's going to be two that's just going to click yeah and we and it will take time to find that it really will and, it, and one of them ain't wally for me <laughs> we've got to stop <laughs> playing him up front i know he gives you energy but uh, i think it's a waste when you've got strikers five good strikers with good ability they should be the ones getting a game and I'm, I'm glad we're seeing a bit more of a doe ollie because you know he's obviously doing really well and we haven't talked about it but ricketts was really high on him in the press this week you probably saw the same interviews i did and it's nice to see him getting a chance because i think he's really impressed the club hierarchy with his application in training and what he's been doing when he gets a chance yeah i think he's done quite well and i think it's good to, you know the recruitment has, as chris says the recruitment has been good and we're quite pleased with what we got you know it's interesting a lot of fans are talking about you know this is a good squad on paper but you know you don't win anything on paper and while you know we expect to be mid-table and we're currently mid-table um and yeah if you're going to end at mid-table it means you're going to be inconsistent and you're going to win and lose and draw some games um so i think yeah, it's it's. I think it's it's just fascinating, isn't it? The melting pot that is Shrewsbury Town right now, where we're where we expect to be, but there's still a lot of um, unhappy fans, and I think that lack of goals at home, um, for it's me, key. is probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, and that then draws us on to have discussions about tactics and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's about the lack of entertainment at home, the lack of goals from last season and into this season, which I think is the key. And a lot of this discussion on the 10 games is tempered by what we watched, what, what we watched on Saturday, which was you I know. Know, a real eye-opener. So <laughs> yeah. it's a bit, you know, we're obviously going to be coloured a little bit by that and we've probably forgot some of the better things we were doing at the start of the season. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll probably, you know, do this on 20 games, Ollie, and see where, how it's moved on from there and whether we're thinking the same thing. So I think that's good. I mean, last week, Ollie, you said we were basically going to give them a sort of... A, Ricketts a report card for the first 10 league games um, and the cup games we should probably throw into that but if you were giving him a report card now you know we're both you know married to teachers aren't we Ollie in terms of in terms of our home life um, you know out of an A A plus to a to a you know D minus what what would you do on a, on a report card what would you give him so far um, the, I personally I'd give him a C okay what about you Chris um, I'd give him an A for effort <laughs> <laughs> but probably a C plus for attainment. Okay, C plus. I, I think that's fair. I think something average, a C is probably fair, Ollie. I think that's a very good uh, description of it. I think I'd agree with you, really. So there you go. That's his report card. And what we can do, Ollie, on the Southcast account is we'll ask that question tonight and see what we get in terms of the, of the ratings. I think we'll see what other people have got to say. But um, there we go. We're at, we are where we are, I suppose. And um, it's it's another 10-game period now, a little chunk to see where what Ricketts can do and, and take us either forward or backwards or... Not move at all, stay mid-table, I suppose, <laughs> that would, what probably could happen. But we'll just move on to predictions, really, Ollie, to wrap this up. Um, we both got it wrong. I say we were pretty confident last week, last yeah. week Chris. We both went for a win. Um, I went 3-1, Ollie went 2-1. Obviously, we lost, which was unfortunate. So, yeah, we've got an interesting game coming up uh, next week, haven't we, where we go to visit our old man, Mickey Mellon. Mr Mellon, And indeed. Steph Payne, who's been scoring a few this season. So, what are you going for, Ollie, in terms of predicting that game? Or what, what are your thoughts on that game first, I suppose? Um, again, it's a, it's, a, it's another a big game, isn't it? After, yeah, this, after this one, I think we'll be expecting a performance and hopefully a result um, from this game. Yeah, Tranmere not having the 
the best of starter seasons. Um, so I think it's definitely, you know, it's a winnable game for us. Um, they sit 20th um, yeah, in the league, um, 10 games, 9 points. Um, so you would expect us to be able to get a result from this one, even though it's away from home. Oof. It's interesting, actually, been looking at the, the kind of the points per game. Points per game so far would get us into about 13th, 14th yeah. on, on an average season. Our points at home is actually better than the average. So even though we haven't scored a load of goals at home, our points per go- the game is actually good at home. And yeah. our points yeah. away is really poor. We've only got an average of half a point a game. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know where my optimism to get a result for away from home has come from. But, um, yeah, I'm thinking that, um, you know, they just lost 4-1 to Ipswich. Um, so hopefully we can get a win and I'll go for a 2-1 win to Shrewsbury. Um, I'm going to be going, so I'm hoping to see a win. Um, the Shoes Train Away Sports have got a game in Chester on the way up there, so it'll be a, a long day for me. I should just mention the Away Sports, we got a 4 4 draw against Watford on Saturday, so I'm still unbeaten. <laughs> Unlike <laughs> the kids, I've three games unbeaten now, he's lost his unbeaten record. But um, yeah, I think it's fair to be confident because I don't think they're having a good season. But my, my mind says to me that ex players always score against us, Stefan Payne will get one, that might get our heads dropped, and we might end up you know, capitulating 2 0. So I'm pretty down about having watched the watch on Saturday, so I'm not going to be ultra negative. I think we'll probably end up drawing, low scoring one one. To be honest with you, mm. and you think Stefan Payne's going to get a yeah, goal as I'm well? Yeah, put that on there. We'll see. See if I'm right there. Yeah, yeah you're right. They always do well against yeah. us. Um, I mean, from, from my point of view, um, I don't think he's going to go and shut up shop like he did at Rotherham. Mm. I certainly hope he doesn't. Anyway, no. so I think we'll probably be a bit more sort of free flowing, but equally, you know. Which which Shrewsbury team's going to turn up? Yeah, is it going to be the one that's going to go out there, score loads of goals, and have a great defence behind it? Um, I don't know. But as usual, I've gone for nil nil. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair shout that all, isn't it? Yeah. To be fair. Um, okay, yeah. Well, there we go. As, it, as I say, it will be an interesting game. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's another one of those games like Fleetwood, like you just said, Ollie. That's going to tell us a lot about this team, I think. Um, and we certainly do need to pick up a few more points away from home on the evidence of those stats you just presented to us. So, yeah, you, are you going, Ollie? Um, possibly, yeah. I haven't quite made my mind up yet, so yeah, it's a good okay. chance I'll go. What about you, Chris? Yeah, hoping to go. Yeah, yeah. to go up there. It's, it's one of those ones where when we used to play Tramir or whatever it was a few years ago, we always took a lot to Tramir because it's not too far away. Is it? So it's always a good away game. That so it's not easy one on the train, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's uh, it's it's always a good uh, noise in their stand as well. I think yeah. the acoustics are always pretty good at Tramir. So I'm looking forward to it, Ollie. We'll we'll see where we go and we'll be back next week. It's it's a one game week, so we'll try and get a guest on again next week, won't we? Yeah, we'll try and get a guest. And yeah, thanks, Chris, for joining us. Yeah, um, no, it's been great well, having you on the podcast. It's been great getting your opinion. And yeah, it's been great having you on for the 10 game review. So yeah, very brilliant. much appreciated. No, my pleasure. And um, come down to the fan zone soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been good to catch him on the fan zone. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there and we'll catch everyone next week. So was it Pierre? Yeah, it was Pierre. Pierre yeah. Didn't play. Did he? Oh. Yeah, it was Pierre. Start again. We messed up at the start then because we said Williams, Ebanks, Landell, and Beck will start. No, but Pierre came on for Eblanks. Oh, that's he it. Okay, on, yeah. right. Let me go for a gap again, and I'll. I'll sorry, Ollie, I'll have to edit this back.